Jesus' first disciples were ordinary, everyday people who were so convinced of who Jesus was that they were willing to give up everything to follow him. To them, being a Christian wasn't about a program or an event. Life was their program, and every day was their event. As Christians, we aren't called to be religious do-gooders, but instead to grow up in every way into Christ, who's our head. In every way means in everything. We're to be disciples every day, not just Sundays. Well, hello, Vintage Church. How you doing? Y'all doing all right? This is pretty exciting for me. Like most of you who slept in on New Year's Day. Come on, anybody else do that? Come on, be honest. I did as well. So this is the very first uh, service of 2023 for me. Are you guys excited about a new year? Come on, it's gonna be good. You know, for those of you who may be visiting with us, maybe for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, or maybe never, you've never actually been here. My name's Stephen, and I'm the lead pastor here at our Harker Heights location. I know our team has said this, but on behalf of everybody, we are so glad if you are new or visiting that you would spend part of this very first Sunday. I'm, I'm sticking with it, okay? New Year's doesn't count. Uh, of 2023. I just want to uh, reiterate what, um, what uh, Pastor Daniel said just about getting connected. One of the best things you can do this year, we have lots of resolutions. How many of you already got some things you're going to be working on? How many of you all be honest? You've been giving up on it. Come on. I'm going to help you with that today. Okay. But of all the things you can purpose to do in 2023, it's taking your faith seriously, right? It's leaning in with both feet, right? Completely committed to Christ and being committed and planted in his church. We want to help you do that. Before we jump in to the very first message of the first series of 2023, I want to tell you about something that we're doing that's super exciting. It's called Membership University. Now, as you see university, it's not nearly as woke as any other universities that you've heard. Okay, This is literally a, a class that we've designed for you to find out all that you need to know to really jump in with both feet into the church. You can do this in person on Sunday, February 12th. We'll provide lunch, have everybody together. You can also do this anytime to get more connected online at vintage.church forward slash membership. There's a few things that we're going to be talking about uh, in this meeting. The first thing is going to be information. Sometimes to make a decision, what you need is just enough information. What do we believe? Who are we? Where do we come from? What are we serious about? What are the things that matter the most to us? You need to have that information. The next is you need to have some expectation. You know, I think a lot of the reason why our world is the way it is, is nobody wants to ever make a commitment. Did you know there's expectations to being a membership of anything? The church is not a country club. It's a place for you to roll up your sleeves, get involved. So we'll talk about what the expectations of membership are here. And then finally, participation. None of it matters if you don't experience transformation by actually taking your place in the body of Christ. And so those three things we'll be talking about there again. If for some reason you want to jump right in this year while you have a little bit extra time, you can go to vintage.church forward slash membership uh, there, but we will not be covering lunch because it will be online, okay? So if you want lunch, come to February 12th. Something else that's really exciting this year, we have so many things going on, but today we are launching our Spanish church. Aren't you all excited about that? Come on. Yeah, that's actually launching today at 1 p.m. Maybe you're in here and you're going, you know what? I don't speak Spanish, but I want to be involved. It is a bilingual service, so it will be a translated service. So you can also go there to support if you'd like. But I want to encourage you, if you know anybody who's a Spanish 
speaker. Please invite them to this service. Pastor Luis and Martha, they're absolutely phenomenal. Uh, We did a rehearsal and a run-through on Thursday night with that team. It is incredible. Worship's in Spanish. It's all going to be a great time at one o'clock. They also have a membership uh, university that I'm going to be doing, but I won't be speaking Spanish because I I know speaky Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. Okay, but I will be translated, okay? And so um, if you're there, you can also uh, pull them there as well. So when we kick off the new year, I want to start by being super positive. Can I do that? Like super positive, like you're going to be super excited. The new year is full of all of these expectations. We have all of these things that we're working on, all these things that we're, we're passionate about, getting a jump on the new year. And I got some really good news for you. Ready? Statistics say that by January 13th, you're all going to quit. Come on. Y'all excited? Come on. (laughs) Literally, it is documented, statistical fact, over 70% of all New Year's resolutions end on January 13th this year. It is called National Quit Day. Y'all excited? I'm glad you came to church. It's a lot of pressure on me, you know, because the Bible says that works without faith is dead. You can be religious But you can't have faith without works because that's also dead. That's what our brother James tells us in the book of James. And so my job as your pastor is like to help you actually succeed in walking out your faith. It's a lot of pressure. I mean, it's a lot of pressure. But here's what I've learned. I've learned this over years of following Jesus, over 28 years now. I celebrated a spiritual birthday recently. Over 28 years following Jesus. Here's what I've learned. I'm actually going to teach you what I've learned in the next three weeks. If there was one series that I could do and be done, it would be this one. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have to come to church the next series because you need to come back to church, right? But, but what we're going to be learning, the questions we're going to be asking are fundamental to your success, not just this year, but every year. I learned something about how God works, and I learned something about how his word says he made us to operate. And so if there was ever a time for you to like lean in, right, and take in, I believe whatever you have planned, right, and I'm sure it's great. By the way, I start my resolutions on the 26th. You know why? Because it's harder. I've learned something the Bible teaches us. Do the hard things. Do something hard. And I think to myself, man, New Year's is coming and all that food and all those fireworks. You know what? I'm starting today, right? But of all the things that you have planned, all right, if you would apply some of the things we're going to learn about to how you think, it'll change what you see, and what you see right, will determine what you do. That's really the formula. Think, see, do. Write that down. I'm going to come back to it for weeks. Really, it's the theme of this entire year. The theme of this year is the year of the Bible. The word God gave me was every day, every single day, not just Sunday, but every single day. That's what this world needs. This world needs believers who are serious about their faith, not just at home, not just in their family, not just at church a few times a week, but every single day. And how they think and how they operate and how they communicate and the relationships they have in their jobs, in our greater culture. That's the greatest thing we can do this year. And so y'all ready? Y'all ready? Okay, so let's start with the idea of the New Year's resolution. Here's what New Year's resolutions do. Okay, they're all about behavior modification. How many of y'all like, it's, it's usually very physical. It's usually very natural. Like, what do you want to do? Well, I want to lose some weight that I gained in the holidays. Anybody? Like, well, okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe I want to drink a little less than I did, right? Maybe I want to do something a little bit different. Maybe I want to spend more time with my family. They're all things that you do, 
all right? They're all things that you do. And, and, but you need to understand where this idea of New Year's resolutions came from. It's actually not a biblical idea. There's nothing biblical about change your behavior or change your life. There's nothing biblical about that. It's actually, I studied this. I really did. I'm a nerd, but I won't get into it too long. It's actually a Babylonian idea. Babylon. You know Babylon? By the way, in Scripture, Babylon is related, right, is always a representation of the world's way. You see it all the time. It started in the Tower of Babel, right? What happened? A bunch of people got together and decided we're going to be our own gods, right? And so they got together and they started, they learned a new technology. It was like the iPhone of the day. It was called baking bricks. (laughs) It was easier. It was stronger. And they started building these bricks. They started trying to get to God on their own. What did they do? They started doing, right? They started doing. It was all about behavior modification. It's not a biblical idea. So you might ask, okay, pastor, okay, if it's not behavior, where in the world do I start? I'm so glad you asked that question. It starts with this idea, this, this, this first question in this first week, in this first Sunday of a new year. What is it? Asking and answering the question, what do I believe? This is the question that changes everything. It's everything. Because what you believe, today we're going to learn, determines how you think. And how you think determines what you see. And what you see determines how you're going to live. It's just a fact, right? One of my friends would say, that's a fact, Jack. Come on. Right? It's just a reality. It's a biblical reality. So, so what's God's process for lasting transformation? That's what we're going to talk about today. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, perhaps one of the most famous scriptures, even known to believers, or to unbelievers rather, is what's called the greatest commandment. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. He said to them, love the Lord your God with all, I'm going to say all, all in the Hebrew or in Greek in this particular verse means all. Okay, it translates just like it sounds. All right, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Everyone say mind. That's the secret. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And a lot of people, Christians particularly, they'll jump to the second commandment as if it's the most important commandment. It's not. It's very clear. This is the first thing that you do. The Bible says that fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. That those who love God hate evil. Right? The first thing that you and I do right, is we consider the audience of one, which is God. From there, we're able right. To love our neighbors as ourselves. But let us never forget, and this is where a lot of believers have gone astray. There's a lot of churches that have gone astray that actually believe they can love their neighbor better than God can love them. And so they elevate, it's an idol, by the way, it's called idol worship. Anything you elevate to the position of God or worship in your life, right, is that idol. Sure, it's not golden calves, right, or statues today, okay, but it might be Hollywood moguls. It might be your own intellect. It might be, right, the welfare state. I don't know what it is that you've elevated and worshipped as your, your, your support, as what you give your highest devotion to, okay? But the Bible's saying here, you have, if you give that to God this year, everything else is going to be just fine. Answering the question, what do I believe? This is all about a mind question. The Apostle Paul goes on to build what Jesus says, build on what Jesus says in Matthew 22 in Romans 12, 1. And he says this, And so, dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. 
This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors or the customs of this world. Look what it says. But let God, everyone say let God. But let God, that's important. You know, God's not a bully. He's not gonna force you to have your best year ever. He's not gonna force you to get in line with his will so that you can experience the blessing and not just the blessing. You see, we talk about blessing like it's material. We have all this material, the most materialistic society on planet earth ever, to ever exist. And yet there's nothing in that matter in what is that fulfills us and shows us who we ought to be, right? So he says, let God, you've got to let God this year transform what? Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's the secret. The secret is not jumping on the bandwagon of whatever physical change you need to make this year. It's changing the way you think about what you're thinking about. Look what it says. Then you will learn. That's important. This is a process we're going to talk about today called sanctification. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Did you know you on your own, you don't know what God's will is? You don't know. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. You don't know what the right way to go is. Sure, you think a certain way, right? But you don't know which way to go. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. The big question is, what do you believe? What do you believe determines how you think. Write this down if you're taking notes. God transforms your life by changing the way you think. You want the best year you've ever had. You've got to start with how you think. And you've got to start confronting those things, right? The Bible says taking captive every thought, making it obedient to Christ. Why those words? Taking captive, you know what that means? Like, like making it your slave. Making it, making it, no, I don't know. But taking captive, right, means literally, it's like a war term, right? It's this idea of going and saying, no, 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 I'm going to capture it, right? And I'm going to make it obedient to Christ. Your thoughts aren't naturally obedient to Christ. How many of y'all woke up this morning and you're just so glad that your pastor cannot read your mind? There was a movie years ago, right, with Mel Gibson, What Women Want. Why would anybody ever want that gift? Why? Because there's all this pre-filtered stuff, all these things going on in our mind, and it's up to us to let God, right, sort it out. As we let God sort it out, and we move towards his will for our life that works itself out in what we see in who we know God to be and then what we do. Does that make sense? It's so important. Now, why do we need to change the way we think? Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts, this is God speaking, are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, so, so my thoughts are bad, God's thoughts are good. No, not necessarily. Sometimes, yes. But notice, he uses height to determine. What's different when you're standing on the ground from when you're 30,000 feet in the air? Perspective. You can see more. You can see further. All of a sudden, things in your life that happen to you make some sense because they fit into the greater tapestry or landscape of your life. The idea here is perspective. That's what we want this year. We want God to say, hey, you know, give us a bigger perspective of our life. This is so difficult. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is in death. Okay, so here's what it's saying. It's hard because 
there, there's, two, there's things that we're battling here. I'm going to talk about this battle a little bit. There are things that seem, keywords seem right, but they're not right. They seem true. They feel good. Okay, but eventually they lead you down a path, right, to death. The way we think leads to death. You know, the Apostle Paul talks a lot about spiritual armor and a lot about how the mind is the battlefield for your life. And he uses this imagery, and, and he writes this in Ephesians 6, 11. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, that word schemes is the word in Greek, methodos. It means with a path. Why is it important that you change your way of thinking to God's way of thinking? Because God's way of thinking leads to life. Your way of thinking leads to death. It's a path that leads you to a destination. This is why you don't want to start with what you do. You want to start with how you think. Because if you can get that right, right, it'll take you down a path that God has for you. The way, we, the way God thinks leads to life. Those are two really big ideas you need to grab this year. The way you think, do not trust yourself. I see this all the time on social media. Like, love yourself. Trust yourself. Follow your instincts. Yeah, straight to hell. That's what happens. I, I, listen, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about me. If y'all knew the first three thoughts I had this morning, you wouldn't even be listening to me right now. Okay, this is like Main Street stuff here. That's, that's not true. You are enough. Who actually believes that garbage? You wake up every morning, half of your anxiety, your depression, your fears, because you know you could be better. God put that in you. That's a good, godly thing. Now, it can be overran by the devil. It can be misused. You can believe things that aren't true and that, that, that God's spark in you is actually killing you because of how you think. That's why it's important. John 6, 6, John 6, 63 says, the spirit is the one. Everyone say one. The spirit is the one who gives life. There's only one way. There are some things in life that are binary. There are some things that are this way or this way. Okay, this is one of them. You have two options with your life this year. You're going to feed your spirit, and as a result, it's going to work its way out in your life, and you're going, to, you're going to have life. Or we're going to talk more about what the flesh is. You can give an audience, give influence to your flesh, and it will end in death. The words that Jesus is saying, and we're going to talk about the word. This is important. The word, right, is where you get life. Many of us focus on behavior modification, but that won't be enough. Why? I want to give you a process. I'm going to give you a process of Christian believing. What's the process for you as a, Bible, as, as a Christian? There's a lot of people that go to church, and you know, they get a good message. And I, I like those. I like the, the lift me up messages, blah, blah, blah. But you know what I really like? I like the messages that teach you something you can actually apply to your life. It's one thing to talk to you about, well, you need to believe the Word of God. You need to believe the Word of God. But how do you do it, right? How do you actually walk this out? Did you know there is a process you've got to go through, you've got to learn to master in your life to believe right, Right? And literally, your life, not just this year, but every year is at stake. Not only your life, but every life that touches your life is going to be impacted by you believing right. So important. So what's the first step? Only a new heart results in a changed mind. What does that mean? You must be born again. The first step of thousands of steps is you've got to get serious about your relationship with God. You've got to get serious about what Jesus did for you on the cross You've got to own that with everything that you are. Jesus in John 3, 3 through 7, 
replied to a religious leader who was just trying to do stuff. He was the ultimate New Year's resolution. This guy was actually pretty good at his resolutions. He, he did them most of the time. His name's Nicodemus. For short, we'll call him Nick. He comes to Jesus and he knows something's still missing because it's not working, right? And Jesus blows his mind by telling him to think different. This is what he says. He says, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how can anyone be born again when he's old? He said, can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? And everyone who's ever been around a birthing bed knows, ooh, no, I don't want to go back there. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, he doubles down. God doubles down on this idea. Look what he says. Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh and whatever is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I've told you that you must be born again. What he's saying is there's another birth second to your physical birth. The Bible says we're all born into this earth dead, that it's when we put our we confess our sins, Romans 10, 9. We, we get serious about our faith. We put Jesus first and we treat his word as it is, the absolute truth of life. From that moment, a work of the Holy Spirit, who's also called the spirit of adoption in scripture, literally creates something new in us, our spirit, which was dead in Christ, Adam and Eve, it died in the garden. We're now made alive with Christ. And now we can actually move towards God's perfect and pleasing will for our life. Romans 8, 11 says it this way. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, everyone say me, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. The first thing is you've got to start with Jesus. Only a, true, only a new heart results in a changed mind. Next, God transforms us from the inside out. 1 Thessalonians says this. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. That word sanctified means set you apart, change your life, make you different than everyone around you. May he continue to do that throughout your life, that your whole spirit, soul, and body will be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord. Here, Paul breaks it down even further. Don't you guys like steps? He says, you as a human being, as a believer, you're three parts, spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is the born again part of you that was made alive in Christ. It's the moment you believe. The Bible says you are born again. I remember this happened to me in 1995. I was 11 years old. Don't do the math. Okay, and I remember I literally had what's called by many a conversion experience. I know I, know I was different. Now, not that, now, my life didn't change overnight. My thought patterns didn't change, but I had now a desire to honor God. Have you ever met people who have no desire to do anything good? Maybe they're kind of good, but it's all, always selfish. You look at people, and as you follow Christ, you just start to see, man, that, that brother needs Jesus. Anybody? Because <laughs> there's something about Christ puts something in us that just is not naturally in us, right? And we've got to keep feeding that thing he puts in us so they can transform our soul, which is our thinker, feeler, and chooser, right? Your feelings governed by the flesh, not governed by the spirit, will lead you literally straight to hell in every single way. You've got to feed the spirit so it changes the way you think, changes the choices you make, and ultimately changes the way you feel. Did you know action always precedes good feelings? There's always an action, and it's like feeling good. I mean, a runner's high? I don't get it. I mean, I've tried to run. I don't get a high afterwards. I, I lay down. But I'm just saying, runners say that there's a runner's high, right? There's something about they do it, and it's like a lot of them will literally, that's the only thing that gets them up to run. The only thing that gets me up to run is, well, 
Obesity runs in my family like every other American. Come on, anybody. I'll blame it on genetics. Then there's your body, how you relate to the physical world around you. So it works you inside out. How does God change you? God changes the way we think through his word. I'm going to talk about this for a few minutes. I'm going to end on this. Because the big idea, what do you believe? Okay, if it's anything separate than what God says is true in his word, you will fail every time in that area. We've written entire courses here at the church for four areas that people commonly fail in our church. Usually it's foundation. You just don't know what you don't know about God. So you got to teach them this kind of stuff, spirit, soul, and body. How does, it, how does transformation look? What's the power of what you see, right? Then people fail in their family. They, they want to do it their way. They want to pretend that there's like 187 genders. I'm sorry, there's not. It's male and female. If you're in here and you're a male and you feel like a female, take captive those thoughts. It's not true. God created them. If you notice, our world constantly goes after the image bearer of God. It's not enough to go after this. It's not enough to have this option or this toleration. You know, you'd be tolerant, they say. But what they really mean is accept it as true and right and good. There's a difference between tolerating something and accepting something. The truth is you can accept lies all day long, but guess what? It's the flesh and it's going to lead you to death. It'll never lead to life. Okay, he changes the way you think through his word. I'm not praying that you take them out of this world, Jesus says, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Look what it says. Sanctify, sanctify them by the truth. Your word, everyone say word, is truth. Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the word of God is living and effective. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. I love this. Penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit. Look at this for a minute. Take this in consideration of what he just said, your spirit, soul, and body. Have you ever been confused? Is that God or is that me? Is that God or is that my old man? My old thinker, my feeler. Have you, anybody? I mean, I get like that still. I follow Jesus 28 years and I still go, man, God, I'm gonna make sure that's you. How do I make sure that's him? I open up the word of God and I say, okay, your word is truth. How do I know this is from you or it's not? Is it in the word? I'm gonna tell you, this is something that believers, particularly the younger you are, the more you've, you've, you've fallen into this trap. You've disconnected a love for Jesus apart from the Bible. Some, some people would call this postmodernism, deconstructionism, by the way. You don't need to deconstruct anything if you're young. You don't know anything. Why are you destroying things you know nothing about? You haven't mastered anything. What you need is not deconstruction, but instruction. That's what God's word does for you. That starts in a humbling place because you think because you have an iPhone, you're wiser than the wisest people that have ever lived. You're not. You're full of pride. There's a humbling to say, you know what, God, I'm going to live open-handed to you. And I'll, listen, you tell me, word of God, right? Use the sword, baby. What cut between what's true and from you, what's not. The way we think leads to what you believe. The way you think leads to what you believe. Remember, that's the question we're asking. What do you believe? Religion is about mastering God. True faith is about God mastering you. Write that down. That is a word for the year for you. Religion is all about doing things. Hitting that New Year's resolution, baby, come on. Just change something you do, pretending it's going to actually change your life long term. But true faith is about God mastering you. Psalm 119, the, word, the, Bible, the psalmist say there, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. I have three minutes left, and we don't have any time to switch services, so I've got to hurry. All right, I'm going to go through and challenge you for a few minutes as we close on the Bible. A lot of this has to come down. If the word is the lamp to our feet, then we have to get an understanding of God's word and its purpose in our life. 
it is not just a book with fairy tales, right? It is a book that's historically accurate in so many ways. Unbelievable when you study the Bible as a history book, and I have. Okay, but it's so much more. The Bible says it's alive and it's active. How is that? Let me give you some biblical perspectives. Remember, this is the year of the Bible. Why are we pushing, like, right? Why are we pushing you to get in God's word? Because if you get in God's word, it changes every other thing you do this year. It's the one thing that if you do first, it changes all the other things. Jesus is the eternal word. You need to understand that this book and Jesus are the same. Did you know in the Old Testament when you hear, when you see the word L-O-R-D, all caps, that is literally the word Jesus, pre-incarnate, speaking. Did you know Jesus existed before he was born in that manger? He existed in the word. Jesus said one time to religious leaders, before Abraham was, I am, meaning he was the one that spoke to Abraham. Read Genesis. That's all in Genesis. We even got videos in that resource for you to see that. Jesus is the eternal one. When you see that Jesus and the word of God are the same thing, all of a sudden you'll sit up straight, you'll humble yourself, and you might listen a little bit. The next thing is the Bible is one unified story about Jesus. My kids, my kids, me and my kids have been going through the Bible with you. We're on day eight, just like you are, right? We're going through it, and we hit Job. If you ever read Job, it's, it's interesting. It's tough. It's incredible. But there was a line in there where it literally said, Job's crying out to God in his agony. He says, oh God, that we have a mediator, one that could stand between us and you because we are so unworthy. Literally a prophecy about Jesus, right? My, my six-year-old said it. That's Jesus, isn't it? He used the word advocate, which is what the word is used for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. It's one unified story. Second Timothy 3.16, all, I'm gonna say all, not just the pieces you like, not just the ones you understand. I still open the Bible and there's things I haven't understood for years, but I still have to hold them because I'm not God, right? All scripture is inspired and profitable. The Bible teaches us the will and ways of God. This is the most important reason. You wanna know God's will for you. Stop going to the guy at the gym. Stop listening to people who don't love God. You know, I don't trust anybody who doesn't love God. Doesn't mean I don't love people. Doesn't mean I don't engage people. But Paul says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why? Because their values are much more likely to get into you than yours are to get into them when you put them in such a high place in your life. It is completely right for you to maybe rise, raise your eyebrow. Jesus said this way, be, be as shrewd as serpents, but as gentle as doves. You know what he said? Stop being naive about the world around you that wants to destroy everything good. Right? Stop, stop saying we can coexist. I love those bumper stickers, coexist. It's a joke. What they really meant is, we want to do what we want and destroy your faith as a result. That's what it means. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to start a Thursday night service. It's going to be a discipleship service starting in February. Where we're going to start. Yeah, you can clap for a service. That's cool. You can clap. This is not just the year of the Bible. It's the year of the disciple. Serious faith. Serious. It's going to be a discipleship service. We're going to talk about some of these things that are going on in our culture. We're going to get real about what's going on, but the Bible teaches us the will and the ways of God. Deuteronomy 30, 15, and 16. Now listen, God says, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Which one do you want? I love this. God's saying, which one do you want? For I command you this day to love your Lord your God and keep his commands, decrees, and regulations. By what? By walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Did you know, anytime you see a promise to Israel, it's also a promise to us in many, many cases. 
What he's saying here is if we put God's word first, determined to walk in his ways this year, let him change the way we think, it changes every other thing in our life. Let's do that this year. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. I thank you, Father, for who you are in our lives. I pray right now, Father, for anybody in here that doesn't know you. I pray, God, on this first Sunday of a new year, of a new series, God, they would give their life to you. And as a result, God, you would transform them from the inside out. I pray that right now, Father. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one looking around for just a minute. We're almost done. If you're here today and you've not been serious about your walk with God, today is your day. It's the first year of many, many great days. The Bible says you don't have to change the past. You don't have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but you do have to humble yourself before God. You have to confess that what the Bible says is true. You have to put your faith and hope in the person of Christ. He died for your sins and he rose from the dead. It's only in that place of humility and surrender that salvation and righteousness result. And his heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one looking at this. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna single you out, make you come forward. But the Bible does say, Jesus himself says, those that acknowledge me before the Father, I'll acknowledge, but those who don't, I won't. Between me, you, and God, if today you're saying, hey, I wanna get serious with you, would you pray for me? Would you just put your hand up halfway and put it right down? Is there any of you say that to me? Thank you, thank you. Hands going up all over the room. Thank you. That's the best, most important commitment you could ever make. I want to lead you in a prayer. As a matter of fact, our entire church is going to pray this with you. I want to encourage you to see this prayer as a first step, not a final step. We're going to give you some other steps. But first, you have to start here. Everything in your life starts with putting God first. Church, we believe in what they're praying and saying. Let's pray this prayer out together. Let's say, Jesus, thank you for coming into my life by first coming into the earth by dying on the cross, by raising from the dead. Today, I believe that what your word says is true, that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. Today, I believe you defeated death to give me life. Today, in my own free choice, I choose life. Today, I choose to make you my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Lead me and guide me. Show me what's next. Today, Jesus, I am yours in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, church, put our hands together.